0: Welcome to the No BS Spiritual Book Club's live streaming interview series, where leading new thought teachers, speakers, and authors share the intimate stories behind the 10 best spiritual books that inspired them the most on their spiritual journey. From well-known classics to hidden gems you might never have heard of, the No BS Spiritual Book Club saves you time and money by sharing reliable recommendations from those who've walked the path before you. The No BS Spiritual Book Club, the only No BS guide to the best spiritual books to inspire your own journey of self-discovery. Here's your host, founder of the No BS Spiritual Book Club, Sandy Sedgbeer.
1: Hello and welcome. Joining me today to share the 10 spiritual books that inspired him the most on his life journey is International Teacher mystic and poet Richard Rudd, who spent the last two decades helping people uncover the higher purpose of their life through a sacred teaching known as the Gene Keys, a universal wisdom embedded within the structure of human DNA waiting to be activated and unlocked. Since receiving the Gene Keys in 2002, Richard has continued to extend And embody the wisdom he receives and sharing the keys to discovering your hidden genius, unlocking prosperity and awakening the heart with programs such as the Venus Sequence, the Corpus Christi teachings, the Seven Sacred Seals and many, many more. Richard Rudd, welcome.
2: Thank you, Sandy. It's lovely to be here.
1: Good to have you, Richard. So tell me, do you recall the first spiritual or mind-opening
2: book that you read uh i do i do you know what i think it was a really kind of schmaltzy book by linda goodman oh um, i know them my all. Way. and <laughs> and i loved it absolutely loved it the young sort of 15 year old or whatever i was just ate it up whole good old linda goodman you know amazing astrologer she was amazing um, astrologer yeah she wrote a really
1: interesting book um called star signs which wasn't so much about astrology but about all other kinds of weird things like purple plates and lexical I loved (laughs) it I
2: loved it it was sun signs I think there was the the other the one that came my way and I was like what is this world
1: (laughs) yeah I think she taught everybody you know all the the best and the worst of all the different signs
2: absolutely Yeah. yeah so
1: what do books mean to you
2: well, you know, I I've always loved books and as a kind of as a poet myself and uh, a lyricist and, you know, the, a love of the use of words and literature. Um, and so, you know, at school and uh, that was that was the only thing I was really good at was words, literature, English, you know, um, those were the subjects I excelled in kind of naturally. Um, and and languages as well. I love languages. Um, so for me, it was like books is not just about my own language, English. It's also I, I try and read in other languages as well, even languages that I don't understand very well, um, just because sometimes getting a taste or sometimes listening to people reading, you know, books in oh, other languages yeah. um, and or, or poetry in other languages is is an exquisite thing to do. I, I do that a lot. So. Mm. Yeah, it's the it's the you know books are wonderful, aren't they? They keep us company in life.
1: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I'd be lost without them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was it like for you to have to distill your list of favourite books down to just ten?
2: It was a challenge, of course, (laughs) really challenging. And lots of books came in and went out, and came in and went out. Some stayed, and then and I gave it lots of time. You gave me. You were very patient with me, so. yeah i mean i guess in the end i i had to throw out some favorites um but i chose ones that i thought might be a bit more interesting to others um that they might not have heard of but also had an equal impact in me so um there, you'll there are some less obvious ones in my in my batch and and they're not all overtly spiritual they are spiritual but some of them are really works of literary art as well yeah. um and so that's the area. That's the kind of place that I like to, you know, that's the sweet spot. Something that's really beautifully written and can ha- carries the transmission. I'm not so like the Linda Goodman stuff. I love it. Um, I loved it when I was young, but I'm now I'm a, I'm a bit more, you know, refined in my linguistic taste. So I like to have that exquisiteness mm-hmm. in, in a in a in an, you know, someone that really has a good turn of phrase with language and can write well i i really love
1: did this process do anything for you
2: um well it did i think because it sort of you know you revisit the books that came to you and then you kind of think of where you were when you read them and i i had a little kind of memory journey with this um and like the, the, as you know, one of the books that I kind of changed at the last minute was the complete works of William Wordsworth, great English poet. And I just thought that's, you know, and I, and I, cause that was one of my, the introduction to the, to how to use language in a way that was just magical, you know, came from him. Um, but I, so I haven't included those. Um, they got um, chucked out by a rogue and um, which we'll probably talk about, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's a real journey um back into you know how I what happened with me in my teenage years and my twenties, my awakening, and then how how books become have become rarer for me to read nowadays. Um but so I choose them really carefully and they come along, you know. But in the beginning it was thick and fast, and you know, mm. I was devouring them, as yeah. I as I'm sure is the case for many many people when they first awaken to the mysteries
1: mm, yeah it's interesting because some people groan when I invite them to do it I couldn't possibly do that no 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 and then afterwards they say oh my god that was like having a life review without having mm. to die
2: <laughs> so so true yeah yeah. Mm. yeah
1: so let's start with your first book the one that you tossed out Wordsworth for which is <laughs> The Rebel very sort of the earth by it (laughs) yes
2: this man yes Um, i had to kind of put him in there because it was in my 20s you know osho he's such a kind of uh someone was saying to me today he's not been that well remembered you know in terms of he's he you know there was scandal around him and and but actually if you dive into his and and he didn't write (laughs) that's the other things like he just spoke and everyone and people wrote down what he spoke and it was been very well edited by his people um but you know he was a he was an extraordinary man yeah. and what i loved about him other than his roguishness which i will always appreciate uh you know and his wicked sense of humor is that dazzling intellect and combined with an enlightened understanding of wisdom and he read you know, he's one of the, I don't know, I haven't found many spiritual teachers who've read more broadly than I have. And I looked in other languages and it's like, and I look into like, I've gone really broad in my life and I, he's like my yardstick. Like he's spoken on masters and teachers and teachings that are so obscure and from all different walks of existence. And I love the rebel because it kind of, it, it resonates with, my kind of teachings of the new Mm. human and the rebel was his his series of talks on the new human coming into the world yeah
1: Mm, yeah did you um uh when you read that book in your 20s did it immediately click with you or was it strange did you have to kind of you know get into Um, it
2: not that one because i think i'd warmed up by that time i mean i read probably three quarters of the books that he, I mean, he's a mammoth, mammoth amount of books have been transcribed of him. And I read a lot of them uh, over two or three years. I think I just, I must've read just, I don't know, 50 or something. And that was one I read towards the end. And, and so Mike, I, you, you know, when you read a, or you read someone like that, you're taking in their whole energy field over and over and you're imprinting yourself with that consciousness, that enlightened consciousness and um and you don't even often know why you're doing it you just you there's a hunger in you that you you have to know this being And, and 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 obviously he died before i you know knew so i couldn't go and see him and so i so i got him through his books but that book um was the crystallization of like what what became my my understanding of there's a new rebellious human being coming into the world and Um, And I think we're seeing it more and more all the time. But his version of the rebel wasn't just revolutionary in terms of like, here's another rebellious soul. It was rebelliousness with love, with deep compassion and wisdom. And that's what really caught my imagination.
1: Yeah. And with purpose.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Book number two is The Philosophy of Wine by Urella Hamvas, published in 1989.
2: Um, I haven't got them all, but I have got a copy Is it
1: really about wine?
2: (laughs) This is absolutely a marvellous book. I mean, this man is extraordinary. And very few people have heard of him outside Hungary, Hamvas. And I sort of feel almost like I discovered him or rediscovered him. And I've been talking about him to lots of people. And uh, most of his work hasn't been translated into English. I'm actually having some of it translated privately so that I can read it. But this book, The Philosophy of Wine, it's, not really, it's really an essay, a long essay of like 80 pages. But it kind of goes well out of The Rebel because he, he was this genius, Hungarian kind of national treasure. He's, he's Hungary's Shakespeare, right? So if you go to Hungary, everyone knows him. Right? But it's such a tricky language. And so to translate it well is, is challenging. And um, this, uh, you know, it's an essay. You can find it online and stuff. But it, it, you might be able, lucky enough to find a copy of it um, somewhere. And and this is translated by a guy called Peter Sherwood, who I met. You know, I got hold of him when I like something, I follow it. And I found and I met Peter and I said, who is this man? <laughs> it's like, and he's a Hungarian Englishman. Lovely man, lovely man, he's a real gentleman. And, and anyway, so he, he translated a lot of Hamvas's works. But this book, is it's not, he uses wine as a symbol, but he also is a lover of wine. Um, and so it it's kind of really profound. You've, you've never come across anyone that goes so deeply into the poetics of the mouth and the sensuality of the mouth. And he calls them mouth harmonies. I mean, you've never read anything like this anywhere else, I guarantee it. Uh, it's extraordinary. It's sensual. It's kind of, the prose is beautiful it kind of lures you in the his the final words in the book are just somewhere up there's like this kind of one liner he uses um it's um drink and the wine will take care of the rest <laughs> <laughs> and I, it just sums up his whole philosophy It's like you can't write books about this stuff you just have to do it so for him it's a you know spiritual experience very much and well he he he's a great sage so mm-hmm. a lot of his other works um and a lot of his works were destroyed actually in a fi- in, the, in a fire in the communist era so we don't know some of the masterpieces that he wrote um so there's it that's why it's even more mysterious you know when you find his teachings in english and you're like oh my god this man's is a true how did
1: you find him
2: a friend I, you know i but jinkies has been popular in hungary and uh, and in eastern europe and a hungarian friend introduced it to me some some of his writing and said you might like this since you're a son of a wine merchant <laughs> and uh, i'm a lover of wine myself and 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 so but he uses metaphor and allegory in a way that's so obvious and beautiful like there's a book he's done on trees and he uses the tree as a symbol also but he goes so it's, it's, it's exquisite stuff. Um, and they're short as well. And, you know, this, this book on, on wine, there's a middle part where he goes into all the wines of Hungary and it's kind of wild. And, um, and you had no idea that Hungary had such incredible wines and variety. And he talks about how, I mean, he's, he's basically taken the senses and he's taken them to the very, very highest pitch, you know, uh, that they can possibly go to. to the intoxication level and so so he doesn't he's not for like drinking a lot of wine he's for homeopathic tastes And and he and he uses wine as a springboard into talking about seduction and women and nectar and juices and sensuality and sex and you know, and books. And he has a really good rant uh, well, uh, uh, throughout the thing as well at um, the communists, <laughs> who he absolutely hates, because <laughs> they made him work in a factory, a genius. He had to work in a factory for 20 years, this, this just genius. Imagine putting Shakespeare into yeah. a factory for 20 years. That's what happened mm. to him.
1: So you've been uh, to Bulgaria?
2: Uh, Hungary. 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 Yeah. yeah, I have.
1: So did you want to track down all of those wines?
2: <laughs> 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 always <laughs> yeah Hungary's famous for Tokai which is the the, the sweet wine that makes really absolutely mm. amazing mm.
0: yeah
1: well book number three is a classic that's inspired and influenced generations of readers writers and thinkers actually 101 years now since it was published um, Siddhartha yeah,
2: I mean it's the most it's, the, it's one of the only ones that I kind of just went with because I knew knew that other people would have mentioned it and I didn't, and the rebel in me doesn't want to choose the same books as everyone else. (laughs) But that one, I just had to, I, I, because, um, I read it when I was traveling in the Himalayas, you know, and I literally was just climbing mountains and and walking around those Himalayan um, foothills and in, uh, in Nepal. And that was the book I read there and steeped in the Buddhist, you know, kind of monasteries all around and the temples. And it's just, it's an enchanting myth. It's the myth of Buddha, of the life of Buddha. And, but it's just, I don't think anywhere there's a, been a better description of the allegory of the life of the Buddha. And of course, yeah. it's not about the Buddha. It's about a young man who goes through these different phases and and meets the Buddha, but then turns away from the Buddha. <laughs> And so it's it's, it, it, it's the story of the Buddha, but kind of in a, it's concealed, you know, in a very clever, it's a very beautiful, clever story. And it, it applies to all of us, because when we meet that higher being on the external, uh, we, you know, it's like that famous thing. If you meet the Buddha, you have to kill him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's another book. If You meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. Yeah. Was
1: this um, <laughs> the first of his books that you read?
2: Um, I had read also Steppenwolf, which is a beautiful exploration de- in- into the shadow and then Nazis and Goldman, which is an incredible book um, mm-hmm. and the glass bead game, which I never quite got to the end of, but I realise now it's, it's kind of a bit like the I Ching it's his, it's his I Ching, which of course is mm-hmm. my passion in life. So yeah, that's are so they're incredible, but uh, I, you know, it's like I've written Gene Keys, a big book and some other books and my, my treasure is the smallest book I've ever written, The Art of Contemplation. And in a way, that's my Siddhartha. It's a little Zen kind of under 100 pages. And I think if you can get a, a wisdom distilled to that length, um, that's why it endures. Yeah. That's why so many people would choose it, because it's an eternal fable.
1: That's why the Four Agreements is so popular and powerful. Yeah. Four lines. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So what were you doing in Nepal?
2: Oh, I was on a seeking journey, of course, you mm-hmm. <laughs> know. I have to go to the Himalayas and meet the Himalayan yogis and um uh, med- find
1: what you were looking for.
2: Um well, I I read that book. It had to, it it stayed with me as I traveled throughout those mountains and mm-hmm. just being there in that country and in India, you know, because I traveled in the, uh, that was why I went to India and in, in the Himalayas and um It was a time of me, um, I found more than I bargained for. I I found memories, um, soul memories for me, places that I'd been in past existences and resonances that were so powerful in my body that I just, you know, sometimes I couldn't contain the memory. It's like, oh, it was so powerful when you go to places that you've been, you know you've been, Mm. (laughs) and cultures that you've, recognize and yeah it was it's extraordinary time
1: oh that really was the best book then for that time and that place
2: totally yeah yeah Yeah.
1: Hmm. book number four is an underground classic that is said to stand beside the seth books as a delightful and invaluable guide to our inner spirit and our outer world this is one i've never heard of it's emmanuel's book a manual Ooh. for living comfortably in the cosmos.
2: Have you really never heard of this, Sandy?
1: No, I I'm think ex- I've seen it, but I've never. I may because the cover looks familiar to me.
2: Well, it was I one. Of, um, don't it remember was, it. it. It was one of Ramdas's favourites, um, and yes, absolutely. I mean, that shows how amazing it is. You know, it's an incredible book. It's, uh, you know, it, it was, um, channeled. It's one of the early, first channeled books and, you know, before everyone was channeling and it's just, you can open it on any page, you know, meditation is a path that will help you release the treasures of self-love that rest deep within you. And, you know, it's, it's, they're just, it's beautiful there's little images and it's so friendly. It's so, it's so comforting. It's the most comforting book I have ever read. <laughs> You know, it's like it has phrases like death is like taking off a tight shoe, you know, <laughs> and the, the images are just so they're so friendly. It's like a kind of enlightenment for dummies <laughs> and we're all dummies, you know, and Emmanuel, this kind of being, whoever he is, or, you know, speaks with such kind of paternal compassion that you just sort of go oh I want, I wanted to go to bed with this book and I I worked with that it. book I worked with that book for years and then there was a sequel came out and she was she was channeling in New York state when I just missed her when I was going to my one of my first retreats and um but she'd just been there and I was like wow Emmanuel's Manuel was here like a, a night before I arrived And uh, yeah, I can't imagine. I don't know where she is now. She may still be around and at it, but um, what a book it it is. And it still stands the test of time. And it was just gifted to me recently um, by a very wise, skeptical friend of mine who is in his mid-80s. And he's kind of one of the sages of my life, a mentor. And um, I was amazed. I was like, wow, he's he's a real new, new age skeptic, but he gave me that book. And again, it was like right, that was a stamp, that was a seal of like, this yeah. is wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> this is recognized by some of the most refined minds I'd know. So anyway, I, I commend it to everyone. It's so loving and and sweet. Yeah.
1: Yes, I saw something that Ramdas had said in the introduction that being with Emmanuel, one comes to appreciate the vast evolutionary context in which our lives are being lived. And at each moment, we are at just the right place in the journey. As Emmanuel points out, who you are is a necessary step to being who you will be.
2: I love that. Yeah. And I guess if, you know, I'd say to people, if there's, if you don't read any of the other books on this list, read that one. Read that yeah. one. Because it's, it's the most, well, maybe Anamkara, but, you know, this one is just, it's so uh, nice. lovely. You know, mm. if you're anxious, or if you, you know, it just, oh, it's just—it's like you're just—you can put your head in this in this being's lap.
1: <laughs> I love that dying yeah. is like taking off a tight shoe. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, he really describes the mechanics of things quite, you know, well as well in detail in, in things like dying, and because because it's questions that people have asked, like what happens when you die, Emmanuel. And it has a ring of the prophet, you know, of like Mm. that kind of really poetically, but very approachable language that kind of helps you understand arcane, difficult things, mysterious Mm. things like death and reincarnation. And, you know, as people say, there's a question, what is reincarnation real? And the answer is just over like three or four pages. It's so beautiful, you know.
1: Mm, I'll have to get, get that one yeah. soon. So book number five was published in 1929, and it is Letters to a Young Poet <clears throat> by the German poet Rainer Maria Rilke.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a book. That's a, that was a lovely little book, if you can get that, a hard copy. Um, Rilke was a, a favourite poet of mine, Austrian poet, and um, he... Um, you know, he wrote obviously in German, and which is not a language I speak, um, but uh, there's some very good translations, and uh, Joan Burnham, that one is by, and um, he was a, this incredible master of the poetic realm, and I, I, I've done a, you know, a series called The Ecstatics, which, in which I explore people who I, who have just tasted love in depth, and he's one I explored, and it's set to like beautiful cello music, and and I explore in depth and, and his, his, is actually one of the most popular of all my recordings on YouTube. Um, you can just look up Rilke and you, and there's a, it's a, like an, a 50 minute long, you know, about his life with bits of his poetry. And he was a master of, of, he was, again, he was German. He was the German Shakespeare. Mm. And his poetry is, is peerless and awesome and powerful. And, um, and his life story is amazing as well. He was dressed as a, his mother dressed him as a woman when he was a child, as a girl. So he grew up with, with this feminine thing and he spent his whole life kind of seeking, lo- you know, love through the feminine. And he, he, but it, you know, he had some failed relationships and loves as, as poets do. Um, but eventually he found his aloneness you know, he found love in aloneness, yeah. and so he in these in these letters, which are written to a young poet who writes to him and, for guidance, a young would-be poet, who's like, like writing to the great master. How can I, you know, how shall I get my poems published and those things? And 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 these are letters that Rilke has written back to him, that again are very. They're like it's beautiful that just that the man took so much time and care to respond to this almost his younger self, you know? And so these books are like a master talking to his younger self, um, but it really is, he is actually talking to a young man. Um, and so you get the sage talking to the young man and it's a beautiful kind of thing. You, you, you know, the advice he gives, like some of the words he'll say is about aloneness. He'll say, you know, to walk inside yourself for hours and not meet a soul you know, to sing out with your aloneness Um, and his poetry sings out with that kind of beauty, but it's, it's not stark, it's rich and filled with, you know, he, I mean, he lived in an extraordinary turning period time, uh, you know, with the, the, at the end of the, the, the with the the first world war and, Mm. you know, this incredibly revolutionary time, similar time to Herman Hesse. Um, uh, But, you know, really really beautiful poetry and, and I really recommend like he talks a lot about patience you know like that's his advice and it's again resonates for me it's one of my central teachings patience is how important patience is in the creative process and yeah. in your life as a whole you know because there's an older man talking to a younger man saying if I knew what I know now yeah. this is what I'd say to my younger self yeah. And so they're beautiful. They're short. I've chosen books that are pretty short and easy to access. So I really recommend it.
1: Good. We're going to take a short break now. Um, You're listening to the No BS Spiritual Book Club's Face to Face with weekly interview series. And sharing his 10 best spiritual books with us this week is international teacher, mystic poet, and founder of the Gene Keys, Richard Rudd. We'll be back with more of Richard Rudd's 10 best list after this short break.
0: Om Times TV.
1: Maya Angelou once said that there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. I'm Sandy Sedgebeer, and when I'm not hosting Om Times Media's flagship radio show, What Is Going On, and the No BS Spiritual Book Club, I help people share their untold stories. Books are my life, my joy, and my passion. And there is no greater reward than helping aspiring writers get their books out of their heads and into the hands of those who are waiting to read them. If you feel that you have a book in you, but don't know where to begin, visit sedgbeer.com. Click on the Work With Me tab and find out how my experience helping others tell their stories might be just what you've been looking for. That's sedgbeer.com. S-E-D-G-B-E-E-R.com.
0: Imagine becoming a super-influencer, reinvent yourself, invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust, spheric approach. Own Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be, by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. Through our produced shows, OM Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an OM Times magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on OM Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive OM Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. Own Times, open yourself to the possibilities.
1: There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do
0: something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit FeedingAmerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're feeding America.
1: Welcome back. Richard Rudd, book number six, The Book of Sound by the Argentinian writer, essayist, poet, and translator, Jorge Luis Borges published in 1977. You know, I have to say, your written description of this book is a piece of poetry in itself.
2: What did I write?
1: (laughs) You said, these exquisite short stories from the master of magical reality sparkle like gems as we read them, mysterious quantum shards of truth that loop and curl through our cranium short-circuiting the brain in wonderful ways that's beautiful
2: yeah thank you well hopefully Borges would appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> uh he he Borges was a master of the short story and uh he was also a great sage um you know I would say he was a very illuminated man um and you know it's, it's interesting isn't it because we read a lot of Um, prescriptive works nowadays you know strategies for like how to get somewhere and how to be rich and how to be enlightened and here are the laws of this and the the, the, the. and a lot of the books I've chosen are not like that they're they're right brain and so Borges used the right brain to open up our our minds and our hearts and he's been called the father of magical realism in a way uh, which is you know that which is what that what I've just described like taking little shards of truth and then kind of creating a little story out of them that is paradoxical, like a Zen koan, but, you know, blows your mind. You know, there's, and the book of sand is, is, you know, it's a series of short, of of short stories, but the, but the book of sand is, is the key one. It's the book. um, It's a, it's a book that you can never get to the end of. (laughs) Um, And so it's, that's why it's called the book. It's the book of eternity. And so it's a metaphor for something. And um, and this man comes and he and he gives him the book and he trades a vagabond trades this book for an old Bible with the books that, with the, the guy in the story. And then he starts he, he realizes this is a magical book and he starts trying to catalog each page in a book of his own to track it and understand it. And he can never find the same page twice. That's the nature of the book of sand. And you can never get to the beginning because there's always more pages and you can never get to the end because there's always more pages. And eventually he starts to go mad because he's trying <laughs> to track the infinite. And it, and so eventually he gives up and surrenders and has his revelation and gets rid of the book and deliberately loses it. Um, but, you know, so I, it's a spoiler, but you won't, the way it's written is, is beautiful. And the descriptions, and it's funny because in, in my dreams at times, I've seen this book in at night. I've dreamed of it and I've I've opened it and I've seen mysterious languages from other dimensions and images of the universal truths and you know fractal patterns of future humans and the, and you know, not kind of that, but the, the matrices of 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 how the universe all works. In, in, in images, you know, and descriptions and lines and all of that. And then I, I wake up and I, I, I never remember them. But I, I remember them c- c- enough to explain that, but I don't remember the detail. And in, in a way, it's a bit like that. Borges' stories are just, they're incredible. Some of them are like one page. So <laughs>
1: did you start having those dreams after you read his book or before?
2: That's a good question. I think... Um, after probably but you know i've always had dreams like that i've always entered into the mysteries and and my work with the gene keys is about downloading the template of mm-hmm. consciousness and yeah. you know the keys of life and the that that's what that's what the book that's what books are they're the key mm-hmm. you know potentially they can be keys to our soul uh, borges knows that and he uses his skill to kind of unlock doors in dimensional thinking interdimensional thinking it's it's incredible it's it'll never date <laughs>
1: mm. did you notice anything happening to you as you when were i read
2: it um i think just the delight of i i recognize that there's a place where logic i reckon it helped me see that there's a place where logic breaks down as paradox and that's what his stories take us to they take us to paradox and then they also take us a little bit beyond paradox into love, you know, because they have, they're imbued with this message, you know, subtle messages. It's not a kind of, they're not schmaltzy at all. They're not, they, they don't say it openly. They it's inferred. It's mm. you know, there, you know, you can tell you're in the hands of a loving being when you read these stories. Um, yeah. And some of them are quite graphic as well. He wrote, you know, some of his stories are like about knife fights, you know, between because he he lived in, in Argentina, rough, rough time. Mm-hmm. And he spent a lot of time in the Pampas with like cowboys and stuff. And he witnessed a lot of death. And so he does one of his stories about a knife fight, and he's watching these two just kind of kill it, carve each other up. But he makes it into the story about chance and fate and You know, every slash is perfectly orchestrated, even though it looks completely chaotic. You know, so there's a beauty in in chaos for book. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: Book number seven is one that has popped up a few times, Um, not massively, but everybody who writes it, who chooses this book, just is in love with it. And I'm sure the same applies to you. It is Anamkara. The Book of Celtic mm. Wisdom by the Irish poet, writer and scholar, John O'Donohue,
2: published
1: mm. in 1997.
2: Yeah, it'd be a tough, if someone asked me, who would you most like to have for dinner? It'd be a tough decision between Don, John O'Donohue and, um, and you know, Hamvas Bella. you know, these two. Have them both. <laughs> exactly. Don't limit yourself. <laughs> I'd have them both. That would be, yeah, you're right. You need um, someone
1: to bring the wine.
2: exactly and John O'Donoghue would love it (laughs) Uh, I guess you know I'm an old Celt and so I had to get a Celtic one in there and um I that my inspiration comes from a lot of it comes from the Celtic um myths and mysteries and John was from Ireland he died quite young really sad um 50 something unexpectedly he was a very healthy man as well just went and um Yeah. He, he was obviously a Christian, um, but a Celtic Christian, and he was very widely read. Um, So he wasn't only a Christian, he was a Buddhist and, Mm. and and he knew he'd spoken to lots of interesting philosophers in his life. And it's his turn of phrase. Anamkara means the spiritual friend. It's about friendship. And so that's a book, a bit like most of the books I've chosen, you open it on any page and it's comforting. It's, it You know, I, I have it next to me um, often when I drink my tea in the mornings before dawn, I have that book, and I'll often turn to it. And I'll just, it's, it's often the only book I have, and I would turn to it, and I'll open it up, and I'll read one sentence, and that is always enough. One sentence just sets me into a kind of... <laughs> because sometimes there's so his turn of phrase is so exquisite, um, but his insights are extraordinary. Um, so I would say that's another book if you're going to read any books if you haven't already read that you you must read that before you die yeah yeah, it's I can see why people fall in love with it because it's about also you know when I sit there and I'm in the mornings I'm in my aloneness I often think of my friends and sometimes my past friends who've died and my my family and people and and Anamkara keeps those alive keeps friendships really alive in your heart. And so it's, it's, it's great kind of solace for the dying and for people who are losing people and for people who are deep in suffering. That is the book. If you know someone in suffering, that's an amazing gift to give them that book. I don't know anyone that that book wouldn't open. <laughs> mm, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, it's amazing what I learn about people when they talk about their books yeah, um, like and the choice of their books. Yeah. Um, you know, you learn far more than you can in your average interview. Yeah, it's true. And it's true. you know what is coming across over and over again is how not only the poetry of you—you are a poet—but the poetry of your soul. What attracts you, but also you love the sages. Yes, you love the sages.
2: I do. You do. And it was interesting because I—I wanted to have more women authors, and I only end up with one. But actually, I realized that the books I've chosen are incredibly feminine. Mm. So yes. the feminine is there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, book number eight was written by a Bulgarian sage, the wellspring of good, the last words of the master, Peter dunov Yeah. The Do you know I about have him? Finished? Have you heard of? I had not heard. I right. looked him up after I yeah. saw him on your list.
2: Yeah. He's worth looking up. Um, mm. I came across him when I started teaching in Bulgaria and, uh, you know talk about a sage a living sage i mean he died in 1944 um and uh he was he sets the bar incredibly high for, for in terms of his behavior his, his exemplary behavior okay. and um he looks the part as well big white beard white hair um, and um, an incredibly wise, beautiful, peaceful man. And I have another book by his that was collected after he died um, of, um, by his, one of his disciples. And it's a book of all the, all the miracle stories that surround him, you know, which I love reading those because they're, they're written after someone di- a great teacher dies, and they collect together all these stories from the disciples and things. And you would not believe some of these stories. I mean... He was, a, an, an, he was an omniscient man. I've read other books by his disciples. He, you know, he had the sight, you know, the, uh, not just like psychic, he was omniscient, he saw everything. And so when you went to see him, uh, he knew everything about you. He, you know, often the stories were, your brother is at the, you're worried about your brother because he's at the war, he's in the war. He's right now, he's catching a fish and he's going to bring it home to you, you know, tomorrow to, at four <laughs> o'clock. Or something. And you, you hear these like stories. And, and he just he, he knew everything. I mean, they, they went to him. I have to tell you this one story that, because it, it kind of circled, circulates around him because it was very famous. Um, he saved the lives of 40,000 Jews single handedly, because um, they needed to know where the Tsar was it, this was in uh, Bulgaria, I think it was called I don't know if it, it was the Bulgarian equivalent of the of the Tsar it was their kind of royal family and in order to to have permission to evacuate these people, um, they had to have his permission in order to leave, and he was in hiding because this was in the second world war beginning um, uh, in the middle, and so you know the Bulgaria was occupied by the Germans and um anyway so someone said why don't you go and ask the master he knows everything (laughs) because they couldn't find this guy and and this guy came to the master and the master and said we need to know where this man is and the master closed his eyes and then he opened them and he said the name of an obscure village in the south of bulgaria and what they hopped off and found him and the and the guy said how the hell did you find me and the master found you (laughs) knew where you were and anyway, so he gave his permission. And then forty thousand Jews were evacuated. The next day, the Nazis arrived and impounded. You know, they were kind of rounding people up. So it was like that was a that was a real story that's circulating, you know, a lot since the war and um, quite you know remarkable. So this book was written was his talks just in nineteen forty four when the bombs were dropping on Sofia, um, and he went up into the hills to one of his disciples' houses and he gave this series of talks about the future human and the coming of the future human and the next epoch, you know, and it was the last, he died the following year, um, but these talks are just incredible. And he was a Christ, you know, he's like, he talks about the Great White Brotherhood, you know, he was one of those, you know, representatives of the Great White Brotherhood. And so an extraordinary, you know, masculine, but kind of not, masculine masculine just this male yeah. archetype of the sort of the christ you know energy yeah, yeah so quite
1: I, a few videos of him on youtube
2: yeah beautiful and and if yeah. you read the stuff you know and, and you know he's famous for taking people up into the mountains in the summer and doing this dance called the pan which is you can see the brotherhood and the sisterhood doing these dance they all wear white and they go up and they live in the high mountains. And, they, and uh, I've been up there. I went up to that place. You know, it's, it's called Rila. It's the seven sacred lakes up there. And um, his energy is, is there and they revere him still. The brotherhood and the sisterhood are very much alive in Bulgaria. It's a really powerful group soul with a lot of wisdom in it. So, yeah, beautiful people. Mm.
1: Book number nine, The Mother, by Sri Aurobindo. Not sure of the publication date. It's, there are so many books that reference the mother.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I, I had to pick a uh, pick one by Aurobindo because I love Sri Aurobindo, and so this was just like tiny little book. Look at that. It's like you know, it's forty pages, um, but it kind of encapsulates his philosophy. Um, You know, he was a great sage. Um, Many people know his works and, and integral yoga and an incredible being beautiful, but this is his homage to the divine feminine and, um, and his understanding of, again, what's coming for humanity, this, this incarnation of the divine feminine that's arriving finally now, and is bringing harmony with it, um, to lots of areas and, and of life, um, so this is a kind of, you know, some of it's a little, you know, it's rooted in some of the uh, Indian, you know, Vedic scriptures and stuff, which he was a, a great master. Um, but it's it's really powerful. Just sometimes the very short, powerful texts like this is a classic. it's It's really, it's esoteric, but it's powerful and practical and it opens you up, opens up your heart, opens up your mind. It just... You know, beautiful, simple, divine, never-ending, infinite wisdom.
1: Mm. Book number ten. Ponder on this from the writings of Alice Bailey and the Tibetan master Dawa Chol.
2: Yeah, lots of people will have heard of of Alice Bailey, and uh, this was one from my you know my young years. So this is one of the early books I read. Um, that was passing around my circle. I fell in with a group of young spiritual men um, and women, actually, in North London. And we were, I guess, 20, 20 years old. And a group of it is quite very rare. You know, I mean, most 20-year-olds are not doing this. Yeah. But there was, a, there was about, I'd say, 20 of us. Um, and we would get together and um, these books would pass around between us. And this was one, Ponder on this was like, um all Alice Bailey, you know all her channelings um, were ma- you know massive amount of channeling of of all esoteric, incredible knowledge, like just she's like a housewife right and and the same time as like the theosophy movement came yeah. you know Alice Bailey, and she you know all this incredible arcane knowledge and wisdom and ponder on this is sort of like the best of Alice Bailey. <laughs> just taken like, I don't know which genius like pulled it all together, but it's just, it's got a little bit of everything about everything. Um, And so whatever question you have, it's a book you can open randomly. And there's some beautiful insight about, you know, whether it's the coming of the cosmic Christ or whether it's, you know, the way in the power of the intuition and how it connects us to Shambhala or, um, you know, the layers of avatars that come into the world and, you know, it's just it's 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 great stuff um and i love that just i had to put it there because you know i read every single page of that book over and over and over again and we would open it at random and read it to each other um us young kind of seekers and it, we were always like blown away by it we were big fans of alice bailey mm. yeah so really lovely to have it in there <laughs>
1: Well, that's your 10 best list. I want to talk a little bit about your own life journey now. I mean, you know, I know North London pretty well. Um, And, uh, yes, what you said about it being rare, very rare. Where did this all start for you? I mean, you know, you're the son of a winemaker. Um, You know, at what point did you go off of the path that made They may have thought that they'd laid out for you.
2: Um, yeah, I went off piste. Um, I think it was, you know, it was when I was 18, really, um, at university. And, and that because I'd met this group and, um, and I, uh, my best friend at university, people kept saying, have you met this guy? Have you met this guy? You need to meet this guy. And they kept saying the same to him. And then we met and, he was re- and we became best friends. And he was really into Rudolf Steiner. And, um, and so he introduced me to Steiner and I introduced him to some of the things that I was into and, um, and out of that relationship, our friendship came this other group in London. He was from North London from Hampstead, that area. And, um, and there was a group of, of, you know, this group of kind of really, um, amazing souls, um, all looking for, you know, something together. And, um, and we would come up to Scotland, you know, because I had a, I was went to Edinburgh University and um, I had a little bit of an inheritance, a small one. And I spent it on this little cottage this high in the Highlands, like, you know, just this little tiny shepherd's croft, they're called crofts up in a remote glen, a remote valley. And we would all go up there. And um, and, the, and the people, the guys from London would come up and we would sort of meditate out in the wilds of Scotland. And we wore kilts and we kind of ran down the mountainside barefoot screaming like Highlander before Highlander came out. And we but we, you know, we meditated and we, we were learning kind of um, the arcane arts and um, alchemy and things like that. And it was an extraordinary rich time. And. Yeah, that was where a lot of my breakthroughs came, you know, being part of the brotherhood, you know, and the sisterhood, because after a while, women started coming as well. And more people heard about us. And from the London set, people would hear about this group in Scotland and they would and they would say, how do I get in? How do I come? (laughs) And so people started arriving and strangers would come and um, we had to expand kind of where people slept. And we had to use the farmer's house down the road. And the farmer was this lovely toothless kind of shepherd man who was who come up to me and go, What are you doing up there? You're meditating again. <laughs> he was a real rough farmer, but he was a beautiful man, Doogie, his name was. Oh. And anyway, so we, we looked after him in the valley. We helped him with his sheep sometimes. So we were very integrated. We weren't all this kind of only spiritual people. We were I've always had that, like I need to be an ordinary human being. At the same time as being this, you know, this other being.
0: Mm.
2: So yeah, your,
1: your best known creation is the Gene Keys, which you received in a transmission 21 years ago. Um, mm. Are there any of the books that you've mentioned that had a that you can pinpoint as being pivotal in opening you up to the point where you could receive uh, this incredible? And it is an incredible body of work.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they've all, they, all it's like, they? you know, they, it's almost like they chipped away at parts of my, my illusion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a little bit over here and they just chipped away. And some of them, like Osho, smashed down walls, particularly in my English upbringing, you know, and, and kind of crashed. Open. So that, that was a teaching that opened my heart to craziness, you know, as I got into that, I was like, I'm going to just go crazy, I'm going to do some crazy things. <laughs> and I needed that time in my life to just go a bit nuts. Yeah. And I did, you know, I, you know, I, I really vented the kind of rage of my from my childhood English Victorian upbringing in a way. And, and my parents were very loving, actually. So it's, it's, you know, but it was there in the boarding school system that I was part of. And I had to kind of crash, crash out of that but then other ones were much more refined, and they came in perfect timing, as often these teachings do, you know, so as I sort of got past some of those difficult shadows, I'd get more and more refined, like um and Saduno, that teacher from Bulgaria, very mm-hmm. refined teachings, like the highest level, and they were kind of putting building blocks on the top of my cathedral, you know, so that I could build the roof and then and so t- together, all these different codings helped me remember you know why I was here but I couldn't place any particular one of them any more than any other um, they all combined as books do teachers do teachings um, you know paths that we take they're all part yeah. of the journey yeah. but they prepared me for sure and a lot that I haven't mentioned
1: did you do you think that you ever knew that you were going to channel something like the gene keys or was it a complete
2: surprise to you um well first of all i wouldn't say i channeled it um i i never called myself a channel um you received it yeah i definitely received it it just you know i think authors do receive or teachers receive their teachings you know they come and um i knew that something was going to happen you know even in that time you know and and at, at, in our twenties. And then we all kind of got, you know, life came and then we started to, some of them started to get married and go off and have kids and, and, and they, you know, went off into the world and I was left there. (laughs) I was like, shit, I'm the only one left. (laughs) (laughs) And I was still there at 28 and nothing had happened. I was like, I need, why, why can't I get on with my life? Like everyone else. And, um, And that was it was just that I had to hold my nerve a little bit longer. And then and then the explosion happened. And but and then after the explosions happened, you have no idea what to do with it. That's the worst time because, you know, you had the the, the download or the epiphany or or the kind of divine revelation. And then you've got to kind of try and put it all back together and make a form out of it and make a Mm. teaching which I had no idea. Like I, I, It took me years and many helpers and friends and now a whole team to build the Gene Keys as a set of teachings, wisdom teachings. Um, yeah, that takes more than I'm capable of yeah, alone. For those who
1: may not be familiar with the Gene Keys, I mean, I gave a very brief description of it earlier, but, you know, in your words... What will people get from it?
2: Yeah, well, it's like stepping into a mystery school, you know. Since that's what you know, what I've been exploring my whole life. Um, but it's very practical. Um, so where most people begin is they come into the website, thegenkeys.com, and they get their they get a jinkies profile, which is a series of algorithms that unlock awakening processes, and they're unique to you. You know, so they it uses astrological data, but it's not astrology and it uses the I Ching and it uses lots of different systems synthesized, um, including some aspects of human design, if you know what that is. Yes. And then it, it starts to uh, it gives you a journey. It shows you that profile, shows you your mythic journey to awakening step by step in sequences. And And our, and our DNA awakens in sequences. It unlocks everything about us, unlocks in sequences. And so it gives us a step-by-step journey through our awakening. And that can include, you know, healing our trauma from our past. That's part of it. Um, Opening up to true prosperity through collaborative. um, Opening your heart up and working with synchronicity so that you draw in the right allies to help your purpose manifest. Um, And, and of course, finding what your purpose really is. That's a deep part of working with the Gene Keys. It really helps you find a, a sense of purpose. But you have to work with it for a while. It's not a kind of quick fix teaching. It's 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 a big body that you come into, you step in the door, and then you like go, wow, this is gonna if you really get bitten by it, it'll hold you for years, you know, because there's a lot. I've I've packed in 20 years of condensed practices, protocols, you know, sort of pathways. It's a whole living community, it's not just about learning it's about learning from yourself from your own wisdom that's what it's really all about it's about unlocking your wisdom it's not about learning anything new information wise it's about wisdom so yeah that's 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 the purpose behind it
1: you also have um you know several other programs that have come since then that expand on it um you know and there's many of them there's the venus sequence and the pearl sequence and you know quite a lot there the activation sequence you know does someone have to do them all
2: no not at all you know it's it depends on the person sometimes just one of the one of them is enough to unlock you and then and then you may be ready to move on or if you want to go very deep then there's more than enough to keep you going you know because one in a way it's all sacred teachings are a trick all of them because they're tricking you into something that can't be said and can't be taught which is your own inner wisdom your soul's wisdom so they trick you through awakening you but the teaching is never the thing like buddha said the teaching is just the raft that gets you to the other side and once you're at the other side you don't need the raft anymore um so don't get hooked on the raft And so Jinkies is the same, but it is a fractal wisdom. So you can can use it in the way I used all these different books. You can use different aspects of it to awaken different aspects of your consciousness. Like you said, the Venus sequence awakens your heart through healing your trauma. The pearl (coughs) awakens you through healing your (coughs) sense of lack and therefore brings you prosperity. Um, but then you have to know how to handle that prosperity, and that's also part of learning the pearl and and then there's the dream arc, which I think you know about Sandy, which is a whole shamanic um, yes. journey through the gene keys, yeah. which works with our dreams and our kind of other dimensional realities through animals and birds and creatures and yeah the layer upon layer of different transmissions woven into the field of the gene keys but, um, yeah. It, how do they and,
1: come in? I mean, do you just find something else drops in and yeah. you've received a, this whole other, you know?
2: Well, when I received it, it was all one thing. Right? Oh. It was all it was all one. It was complete, like a cathedral that had already been built. And so, and I saw the architecture of the whole thing. So now I've just been building it. And one day I'll finish building it. And then others will probably carry it on and maybe add extensions when I'm gone or whatever. But it's it is a it, there's a finite set of structures to the teaching it's a, it's a it came as a whole and I'm still assembling you know I'm building the south wall with the big rose window and then finally we get to put the roof on and then I'm kind of done
1: you know? and <laughs>
2: then, then we what? can just <laughs>
1: then we go up to the croft in Scotland again
2: Maybe, or maybe we just sit there and greet people at the door. And you know, I'm I love offering people tea. So that really, I just like to be there and greet people as they come in and meet people face to face. And that's what I really love. I love just meeting. I'm, I'm just a normal person that loves meeting people, and I'd love to sit and have tea with everyone. <laughs> so that that's my uh, that's my highest goal is to have the cathedral built, not literally a cathedral, but you know the teachings, and then everyone that comes who's drawn to them. I love to see how it helps them in their lives in different ways. I love hearing those stories, mm. you know, it helped me with my marriage. It helped me with my child. It helped me with my cancer. It helped me with my, you know, I hear all the stories. I didn't, I don't even give instructions about how to heal cancer or how to deal with your children. It's, it's each person's own wisdom that finds the answers. That's why the foundation to it is called The Art of Contemplation. It teaches you how to contemplate, you know, and therefore unlock your own wisdom.
1: Do you think that this is what you came to do?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything, you know, I can't think of anything more exciting and better. And I do it with people I love. You know, I have an amazing team. We're global. We're, you know, the Jinkies is in like over 25 languages now and Mm -hmm. so i get to travel when i have time to all these beautiful places and meet incredible people who are um, drawn like bees to the same vision and and you you know that the core of the jinkies is a prophecy that this is about the future human and so these are the teachings for helping us become the future human they may not be the only teachings but they they're deliberately coded with that purpose you know mm. to awaken that yeah. highest level but integrated into society that's really and really important not mm. just some kind of wafty fringe dwelling group of brotherhood sisters this is like this is like hamvash bella this is like right in the heart of samsara <laughs> right in the heart of life we have to be here in the body deep embodiment
1: mm. yeah yeah. You, you know, the Art of Contemplation book, um, you say that it's the central technique, you know, that underpins um, the Jean Keys teachings. You know, what's the difference for you between contemplation and meditation?
2: Well, contemplation is a broader kind of term than meditation. It can include meditation. Um, and in a way, it's, you know, I kind of joked recently, I said, it's like meditating with your eyes open. <laughs> Um, so i we 're contemplating now you know we're, yeah. you know you 're receiving i 'm yeah. giving it could you know we were sitting having a glass of wine, we would alternate that you know um, and contemplation can be done in so many different ways it 's about applying our our longing for higher consciousness to you know our life so it's it, it creates internal an internal focus but it can include words and language. It doesn't have to negate those things. It can include silence. It can include formal meditation. It can include all kinds of yogic practices and, and, and it can include anything. It's a very wide, broad path word. But essentially, the essence, there is a very simple essence to it, which I capture in that book, which is we need to learn to slow down and pause often in our lives in our busy lives because it's in those pauses that the future consciousness is growing inside us so if we don't stop regularly and just look at what's around us uh, we can't evolve you know because we're not allowing that future consciousness to bud and flower inside us so we have to create spaces and that's what the contemplative practices do, they create spaces. Yeah. I've got a lovely little app. I don't know if you've got it yet, Sandy. It's um huh? it's on the app store. It's a free app. It's called the Triple Flame. And it's on your so you can get it on your phone and it and it put it helps you, reminds you to pause. You can set it how you want. Every three hours on the three, six, nine, twelve, it's a it invites you to pause for three minutes. That's so why it's called the Triple Flame. And there's little meditations and you can you can either do it a guided one, or a silent one, or you can you can be driving, and but you just do it drive with awareness, or you can, you can do Om's with me. I sort of do some Om's. It's one of the options, or you can just do silent, um, and you can extend your if you want. But it, the magic of it is, it shows you how many other people are pausing right now. So I can go on right now, and I can I can look at it and I go well, it's in, you know, and I click on it, and right now. Five beings are pausing. Isn't that cool? Very cool. At What's
0: a
1: random it called again? Time.
2: It's called the triple flame.
1: The triple flame. That's and good. A
2: little um, quote. The quotes are random. It's better to be screwed up and aware than perfect and pretending to be aware. <laughs> <laughs> the, the quotes change and they're taken from the gene keys or aspects of them. And you can, yeah. you know, we, we've got another version coming where we're going to do the cosmic clock. So it's going to bing you can choose. It's going to bing you at 11.11, 2.22, 3.33. You know, it, it's going to be playful as well. Yeah. It's a it's a way of just reminding ourselves throughout the day that we're not alone and that we're in a pausing practice and it can and that can create magic in our lives. You know, and eventually I'd like to have 10,000 people pausing. You know, so when I look at that, I want to see it saying 10,000 people are now pausing Mm -hmm. around. And we're going to give a map as well so you can see where they are.
1: Yeah. Nice. Very nice. I do love the um, Art of Contemplation book. I mean, I've never been very good at meditating. But when I, you know, have spoken to you before about that book, I realize that's exactly what I do. I contemplate. Yeah. Yeah. and, And that's enough.
2: Most of us, most of us have that gift. It's an art that we can develop, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you have um, a lot of material on your website. You have a lot of free stuff. Um, I don't if you'd like to tell people before we leave what they can find there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can look at the YouTube channel and Gene Key's Instagram if you're in the, if you like that. Um, there's a lot of free stuff on, on YouTube, got a lot of videos. I got a lot of books out as well mm-hmm. on Amazon, and you can see them all on my website, it's probably the best place to look at them. And then you can buy them through Amazon. Um, and if you want to start somewhere, um, the most popular program is called the Activation Sequence, so you get your you get your profile and then it's part one and it guides you in and it's sort of, it's really popular. It's, it's a, it gives you a sense of well, what is my true purpose? And there are lots, and, and also I should say there's a little button in there. If you click it, it says it, it's, it's the one that we always avoid where it says, Oh, do you want the newsletter? <laughs> and, and you never click that box, right? <laughs> You've got to click that box in this instance because it's called the pulse and it's not a newsletter. It's a love letter. And we send it every six or seven days. Um, and it shows you the gene key that's transiting right now um, and, and its highest aspect. And it gives you the little free audio by me of that key and what it what its challenge is. And then it also shows you some other stuff like my latest videos or whatever news and, you know, which you're free to look at or not. But um, it's a really lovely, it's a way of staying in touch with our community. And we've been profiling community members as well recently. You know, from around the world, so that you can get to know and see how the Jinkies is growing in different countries, and um, and it's just it's, it's a lovely it's a lovely community. You it know, is a lovely welcome.
1: community, yeah. And so yeah. is your Dreamark community, yeah. And the Dreamark, and another. that is that is a an whole other piece, whole work, other ball game, you know? yeah, whole other ball game, and um, you dive in there and you may not surface for months (laughs)
2: years
1: (laughs) years even yeah Yeah. Richard it's been a real delight to talk with you and to um, hear about your 10 best books it's especially um, gratifying for me because when I come across books I haven't heard about and you know a guest describes them in a way that makes me go yes 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 you know I'm hoping that that's the case
2: with others as well, that some people will be inspired by some of these choices so that they find their way to those authors.
1: Richard Rudd, thank you for adding your 10 best list to the No BS Spiritual Book Club's library of recommendations.
2: Thanks, Andy. It's a great thing you're doing here.
1: Thank you. So for more information about discovering your hidden genius with Gene Keys, Unlocking Prosperity, and awakening your heart with other associated programs such as the Venus Sequence, Corpus Christi teachings, the Seven Sacred Seals, etc., visit genekeys.com. Very simple. You can't forget that one. G-E-N-E-K-E-Y-S.com. That's it for this week. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and I'll be back at the same time next week with another 10 Best Interview for the No BS Spiritual Book Club. Till then, it's goodbye from me, and thank you again to Richard Rudd.
2: Thanks, Annie.